welcome back to Close Your Mentality. I'm your host, Julia Mellet. Before we begin, today's story mentions self-harm. If that's triggering for you, especially considering the student-athletes that the NCAA has recently lost, I'll see you next week. But if you'd prefer to stay, the story starts now. Today's guest used baseball to travel the world, figure out his self-worth, and unlock a new relationship with his faith. This is Jeremy Wolf's story. For Wolf, his love affair with baseball dates back to when the now 28-year-old was three. My dad gave me like a baseball set, right? And you do the soft toss and you do the things. But my mom always said, um, and she listens to all of these, so hi, mom. The that I always used to just throw the ball as far as I could at two or three or in a crib. And my grandma still tells me and, uh, you know, I used to throw the ball to her and then she would throw it into the crib and then I throw it back to her. This is a two or three. Right. And so for some unknown reason, my parents got me a golf set and it happened to be left handed. So I learned to be left handed because the little kids golf set, this is in 1995. I was born in 93. So this is 95, 96. The set happened to be left-handed and that's how I became left-handed. So I'm dominant right hand. I throw right hand and I hit left-handed. So in baseball, you can play in field and be a left-handed hitter. That's really important. Well, I was afraid of the ball my whole, my whole life. I don't know if we need to say that louder or put it on the screen. I'm afraid of the ball. Okay. And, uh, so I always played outfield and uh, I was always a left-handed hitter, and that paid off for me. The Scottsdale, Arizona native came from Chaparral High School, a baseball program that also produced Ike Davis, Dylan Cousins, and Paul Konerka, among hundreds of other future minor and major leaguers, and won a Division I Arizona State title. Coming out of high school, though, Wolf didn't have plans for college ball. I didn't have any college scholarships. I had got one phone call from the University of Utah. This is about two weeks before the season ended. And I'd always wanted to play in college. I hit behind, I hit fourth uh, in front of a kid who is, is still, Chance Adams, who is a pitcher with the Royals, got to the big leagues with the Yankees three years ago. And Dylan Cousins, who was a, uh, a first round pick, like supplemental round pick. So I'm hitting in between both of them. No college offers, no nothing. I think I ran, my arm stinks. I think I ran poorly, but I was hitting 400 or 450 the whole year. And uh, no calls until two weeks before the season ends. I think the beginning of playoffs, University of Utah called and said, hey, we would love for you to walk on. And I said, yeah, thanks, but I'm, I don't want to walk on. I'd rather do something else. About two days later, I got a call from Zach Fragosi at Trinity University, San Antonio, D3, never heard of him before and he goes you should come visit we really want you to play here which we're going to call austin singer who's was my one of my best friends at chaparral and we just called two kids from brophy connor moore and nick jewett and we called another kid from phoenix drew butler and we're going to call another kid from phoenix troy nelson who goes to, you know who was my teammate at chaparral we, we're going to call him next year and so i saw this whole core group he's from tucson right so i saw this core of arizona and I said, yeah, I'll check it out. And I walk up and it just felt so natural to be there. Trinity University in San Antonio, Texas is a private division three school of 2,600 undergrads and another 200 grad students. In baseball, we're, we don't get scholarship. Usually if you go to D1, you'll get 20%, but nobody gets a full ride. So I'm like, well, if I want to play college baseball, uh, 
I guess I have to go to Trinity. And I played every game except for three in four years uh, because I forgot the signs. And uh, so for those listening at home, remember the signs. And I never, anybody of my friends would go, Jeremy didn't listen to the signs. He didn't need the signs. So, uh, but Trinity University was the only place that wanted me to play. Playing college baseball took a toll on Wolf's mental health. It all began to pile. And in a moment of desperation, Wolf attempted to end his life. He hadn't told anyone the feelings he was having, nor did he want to. This was in 20, I was a junior, junior in college. And uh, I had felt these horrible, horrible things. And I just was in my lowest point. I felt like I had nobody to talk to and felt very alone the whole day and stressed about school and work and what am I going to do after? And am I going to play professional baseball? And I, this is like December of my junior year. And uh, so I, you know, I, I had had those thoughts, right? And I'm, it's 10 years, eight years later, and uh, you still think about it all the time. But you know that if you had X, Y, and Z in front of you, would you have felt these things? If you felt, if you didn't feel alone, would you have felt these things? No, I, I think there are different, there's different things for everybody. The things that I'm hearing right now in, in college and high school sports, they're unfathomable. You cannot put yourself in the shoes of somebody who's done that. You can only wish them peace. You can't ask the questions. It's, 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 but I know that I felt that feeling and I've tried that thing. The next season, his team won the 2016 College World Series. And to see 2016 national champions and to see uh, the, the photo of us as we won, it brings you back to that. That's what's important about it. Um, I, you know, in the age of social media, maybe it's a cool video, people are gonna see it, but I get to look back on those memories and know that the people that I did it with were all national champions. And we all, for four years, did whatever we could to win, to, to, to win at all costs. And that's what makes us, when we look back on that team, really special. Uh, and now our coach is the national championship winning coach and our program is a national championship winning program. And I was told when I got recruited, you're gonna win a national championship your senior year. And that's what happened. And so all of those things are just really, for all of us, for everybody involved, are really important pieces of our journeys, both in sports and out of sports. When the 2016 MLB draft came, Wolf was selected in the 31st round by the New York Mets, 940th overall. His signing bonus, $5,000 and $1,100 per month. He had to buy his own equipment, figure out his own travel arrangements, deal with his shifting emotions, and whatever came his way in the minors, by himself. I walked in my first day to get drafted. So we won the national championship. Two days later, I'm in Florida doing a tryout. I'm the only Division Three player there. Two days later, I'm home. Uh, actually, the next day I was home, and two days later I was drafted. And then I flew back to Florida. And I missed my, <laughs> I missed my flight. And so I had to call on my first day, and then I had to call and get another, whatever. That's neither here nor there. What I wasn't expecting was that I walked in and I said, I don't have bats. Can you help me get bats? And they said, no. And can you help me get this? No. 
Can you help me do this? No. Now, this is 2016, and things have gotten a little bit better because we know that nutrition with the Toronto Blue Jays has gotten much better. And we know that the LA Dodgers do an incredible job. And I know that the Cleveland Guardians do the best job in baseball on supporting their minor leaguers, right? There are teams that do it really well, and there are some teams that don't. And so you're in this environment of everybody's in it for themselves. You do not care about the person next to you. You do not make friends because you're competing to get to the next level. Not only that, but the anxiety and the stress and the depression and the that comes with, am I going to get cut today? I just saw him get cut. Am I, what do they think about me? Not knowing your place or your position to, um, to go into every day going, this might be my last day. And the fear that comes from that, not, not going, oh man, this is my, I get the opportunity to play baseball. It was not about that. I don't think one day I felt, wow, I have the opportunity to play baseball. For me, it became life or death. And the death and the life or death took over. And it was the, I can't, I, I just physically and mentally, I'm exhausted. I can't continue to do it this way. You get home after the season and you have to go to Gold's Gym because that's all you can afford. You can't afford to improve yourself or you can't find a job because no one's going to pay you other than doing baseball lessons for four months. So you can't better yourself and you can't think about starting a business because if your team finds out, at least at the time, they go, you know, why don't you, you need to focus 100% of your time on baseball. There is no after baseball. So all of this stuff is just, it's a really difficult environment if you're not prepared for it and no one's prepared for it. So the people that make it up, people that make it through are the strongest willed people. Um, and some of the strongest willed people can't do it. It's just this, this really difficult thing. Playing minor league baseball is really, playing professional sports is really difficult because of all of the pressures that are around you and the once in a lifetime opportunity to do those things. When Wolf left minor league baseball a year later, he emerged from the system with back problems and psyche issues. He saw the gaping void that major league baseball allowed minor leaguers to exist in and just how difficult moving up through the ranks is. From that experience, he vowed that he would try to be the change he so wished he had. Who, who am I when my career is over, whenever my career is over? And I gave for four years, for my entire life, pretty much before college too. But for four years, I did everything I could to get drafted. That was the goal. I wrote, uh, I told Bruce Maxwell this. I wrote Bruce Maxwell's stats, his, his college stats, his junior year. He got drafted out of Birmingham Southern his junior year. He was supposed to play Division One. He was always going to be in the big leagues. But he went to Birmingham Southern because he had, had a, like a blood clot in his leg. And no Division One team wanted him. And so he went to Birmingham Southern Division Three school. This is from like 2000, maybe eight to 2012. And he was a third round pick or a fourth round pick at Division Three, right? And his stats were, I think he hit 470 with 13 home runs and like 65 RBIs his senior year. And for my entire college baseball career, I wrote on my bathroom mirror, 470, 13 home runs, 70 RBIs. And my senior year, I hit 420, 11 home runs and 75 RBIs, right? All I wanted to do was just beat that. That was my goal. 
is to get better stats than Bruce Maxwell. Because I knew that if I did that, I would get drafted. Or at least have the opportunity. And I knew our team was good enough. And so if we won the national championship, that just kind of increases that. So, uh, but who was I if I didn't? That was the biggest thing I was afraid of. It wasn't, a, I wasn't afraid of, well, if I don't get drafted, what am I? I was afraid of what the hell I was going to do next because I was not prepared. He founded More Than Baseball, a nonprofit that provides equipment, housing, food, and transitional assistance for minor leaguers who feel ill-equipped to manage by themselves. So I got injured in 2017. I got released uh, right before my 24th birthday. And uh, I started More Than Baseball in 2018 right after that. But I didn't know what I was going to do. I sat at home for... I couldn't walk for eight weeks and I sat at home until February, just doing nothing, just being miserable because I didn't know what it is I wanted to do. Now imagine I'm 28 or imagine I'm 32 and the, you put off those conversations because you just don't want to think about it because it takes time away from being an athlete. And you live in this limbo of it's not going to last forever, but I'm not ready to think about what's next because it'll take away from what's now. And it, it's just this idea that this is the, this is the idea of everything I do is the, what can we do to help benefit you now? And what can we do to support you when your career is over? Because I am just unshakingly tired of hearing people say, Oh, he's going through trouble. I hope he gets the help he needs. I hope she gets the help she needs. Oh, Simone Biles, you know, is doing this in the Olympics. Boo freaking who? She should go compete for USA because that's her job. There, there are where once there's some, once Simone Biles, there's a million others exactly like me who just don't have a resource or mentor, or a coach, or somebody in their corner that understands them. And so everything that I do and even live by is the, someone's going to see what I do. I'm, uh, <laughs> I don't, I enjoy doing these conversations, but they're important. And so if I can show that I went through trouble with my personality, <laughs> that there are certainly others. And now if you're a baseball player, there's a resource. And now if you're an athlete, there is a resource for you. There's no structured support for players and there's no collective voice for players to have those discussions, have a seat at the table. So because Major League Baseball has this antitrust exemption, you're looking at a population of athletes close to 7,000 that does not have support other than what more than baseball is able to provide, right? From the housing and the food and the equipment and the career services and the transitioning and the financial guidance and the mental health coaching. The teams don't provide any of this other than now maybe housing, but we've even seen some instances of, yeah, we'll provide housing to those that qualify. And what does that look like? Players still don't have adequate housing across minor league baseball. So you look at these issues and it's a systemic issue because, oh, boo-hoo, they're professional athletes. Well, boo-hoo, you can't boo-hoo a 21-year-old Venezuelan who hasn't seen his family in 
uh, three years and doesn't speak English and is here on a work visa. And then he's afraid to go home because if he gets released from his work visa, he can't come back to the country and provide for his family. These are individual stories that I'm lucky enough to know people who have gone through this. And I'm fortunate enough to work at an organization that helps players stay in the country, seek asylum, because the teams don't provide these opportunities. That's where baseball is. This is where we are. And that's not going to change from the top. People just have to do the work. And you do the work because it's the right thing to do. So right now, we are not even at the tip of the tip of the iceberg on mental health. We are uh, at the precipice of this entire dialogue changing in mental performance for athletes and even for, for, for kids at the high school level. Um, because now there's Simone Biles and Naomi Osaka and Kevin Love and Hayden Hurst and these people who speak publicly about the issues that they faced. But now there's actual resources and education being provided to athletes to say, now I have a foundation of education. After Wolf hung up his cleats in 2017, he tried desperately to move on from baseball, and he failed miserably. Wolf, a Jewish American, always felt in touch with his Israeli roots. And when Team Israel reached out about roster spots ahead of their Tokyo Olympic berth, he jumped at the opportunity to get back into the sport. Uh, I helped the team qualify in, in the European Championship, and um, I've won national championships and state championships and been part of incredible experiences that that I get to look back on incredibly fondly, but I, I just, I know at a certain point, you know, it, it could have not happened because I could have quit. I could have gotten burnt out. Um, so what being on team Israel did was it showed me how lucky I am to have a second chance of doing it. I had been retired for two years. And uh, I called Peter Kurz of Team Israel and I said, hey, I run this nonprofit. I'd love to bring equipment to Israel. And he said, uh, do you want to play on the Olympic team? And I said, yes. And uh, I bought a pair of cleats and I hadn't thrown a ball in two years and I hadn't swung a bat in two years. And I started getting back into it and uh, I hated it. I, abs I hated playing baseball again. Uh, I didn't want to go. My body hurt. Um, mentally, I didn't want to go. Uh, I had a job that I liked. I wasn't making much money at the time, but I, I liked it and didn't, it was two weeks away and, and the, just going on leave and taking, like, I just didn't feel like it was worthwhile. And then I, um, so this was in 2018, at the end of 2018, um, we had, we had the conversation with Peter. He goes early 2019. I want you to come to Israel. We're going to pay for your ticket. You're going to travel Europe and, you're going to come to Israel and you're going to get your citizenship. And I said, well, that sounds pretty cool. So I get to Tel Aviv and this is, it's this incredible place. Uh, and I feel this thing, right? My mother's Italian. My father's Jewish. Like I always had this sense of identity on, on both certainly, but like being a Jewish baseball player, you're known throughout the country in these Jewish publications and things. And uh, so I get to, to Israel and I'm, in the apartment for the first time with like eight other guys who were on the team. And I felt this sense of like pride that there were four guys who had been in the big leagues and me and a couple other minor leaguers who were currently playing and me. And I'm like, Oh my 
like I'm here, like I'm in this room, like my career has gotten me to this point. Okay, like I think I can, I think I can get the mindset back. Uh, so I leave Israel and I go home and I start hitting again. And I feel that like passion that I had back in college again. So we won in Bulgaria and then we, I stayed in Europe and then we played in Lithuania and then I got to stay in Europe and I left my job at this time. And, uh, and I was just had a little bit of money and playing, living this experience. And I just got to just be myself. Uh, and then we won in Germany and then we won in Italy and we qualified and I, at 25 guys on our team, even the four born Israelis, like went back to the States. And then it was me and Peter Kurz and a couple coaches. And uh, we flew back to Israel and I lived in Israel for six months and uh, COVID hit. And I came home and um, just kind of trained for everything I could here. And Olympics got moved and, uh, and then we did the Olympic training and, and then the team went off to Tokyo and I was, I was this close. I was this close for being on that final roster. And, uh, so I get to, I got to watch, you know, our guys win a game and be in the Olympics from my couch at 3am. And, uh, you know, I was with them two days before my parents didn't know the things that I was going through. My girlfriend didn't know for the longest time, the things that I had gone through, but like I, I needed closure. I never had closure and I'm sitting on the couch at 3am watching us beat Korea or Mexico or whoever. And I was like, wow, like cool. And that was it. And I'm like, wow. Cool. Now I get to do what I want to do. And uh, I just, I'm very fortunate now, maybe even have the realization every now and then of like, well, oh, that was awesome. Now I want other people to have those experiences too. Team Israel Baseball offered Wolf the perfect clean cut exodus from sport. One final hurrah. The team, comprised of mostly Jewish Americans, finished fifth in Tokyo after losing to the Dominican Republic. The influx of American-born Israeli rostered players is because natural-born Israelis are required to serve in the military and thus spend what time Americans would allocate to college ball and professional endeavors to serving their country. Sport's not a major part of Israeli culture, and Wolf says that the country, home to 9.2 million people, only has between four and eight ballparks. The answer is no sports in Israel. Because at 18, you're in the army, and you're in the army for three years, and you can be part of a sports program. Like you can go play your sport, I guess, in the afternoons or on your leaves or on the weekends or on your breaks when you're in the army. Um, but you don't play baseball because there's no college baseball in Israel. And it's a soccer, it's mostly a basketball country, but it's a soccer basketball country. Um, judo is really big there. Uh, fighting combat is, is big there, but the professional league is good. Uh, I, I think they, in basketball, they're good. I think one of the teams uh, competes at the, in the European level, um, like the highest level of the European league. Um, soccer, I think is good, uh, but you have to do the army for three years. So in, in America, you're playing high school sports to go play in college. I, I, maybe a handful, certainly like you can't think it's universal, but the, high school athletes in the in America want to go to play college in Israel. You don't really think that way because you play your sport and then you go to the army and then you get a job or you travel the world or whatever. But 
I don't know the percentage of college athletes in America from Israel. And there are a couple of baseball players, but they're 21, right? So it's a different trajectory. If you're really good, people will find you. Like that's, that's totally true. But is baseball, you can't force people to do something, especially Israelis because they're stubborn. But if you build baseball fields, people will play anywhere in the world. If you build soccer fields, people will play soccer. If you build movie theaters, people are going to go watch movies. If you build ice cream shops, people are going to go eat ice cream, right? Like it's, it's, if you give them access to something, they're going to find whether or not they want to do it or whether or not they want to put their kids in it or whether or not they enjoy it. So I know, I think there are a thousand ball players in Israel, boys and girls. I'm going to guess 20% girls. I don't know for certain though. But a thousand is better than zero. That leaves a roster mainly devoid of emerging Israeli baseball players. And devout Americans like Wolf capitalize on that opportunity. Having American Jews representing Israel is really good globally for Jews around the world. And I got notes from a ton of people, a ton of Jewish Americans with kids or young Jewish ball players, boys and girls that said, now, because you do it, I can do it too, right? But it begs the question, like, should countries only be represented by the citizens that live in that country? There's, there's certainly pros and cons. It's a really good discussion. Uh, and I'm on both sides of it, right? I would really like to see an Israeli national team of Israeli-born players. I would love to see a... Uh, but I... But as a, one of the people who was a Jewish American who filled the spot on that Israeli national team, it just begs the question of whether or not what, what the rules are. At the end of the day, you want to win. After his stint with Team Israel in the aftermath of COVID-19, Wolf founded MindReady in 2021. MindReady is a resource-based mental skills building company that works with athletes to provide mental well-being coaching in an effort to prevent the youth sport drop-off cliff. More than 70% of children drop out of youth sport by the age of 13. Girls drop off two to six times faster than boys. Wolf says to fix that problem, diligent mental health resources need to become available and active in those children's lives. Our research shows that athletes, 20% uh, of athletes act, try to see, seek out in search of mental health coaching. But what if it was available to them? What would that number be? Would that be 50%? Would it be 75%? Would it be 100%? Nothing's ever 100%, but would it be 99%? Yeah, because the resource is available to them. And you fill out a little survey, or you can go directly to our roster of coaches and pick out individuals. But you put in your preferences and who you are and your background, and um, the algorithm spits out a coach that that we think will will work with you. If you play basketball, you'll be with our basketball coach. And if you play baseball, you'll be with our baseball coach. But if you play football and tennis, um, you know, you might get the football coach or the tennis coach. All of our coaches have backgrounds in these sports. We're getting a swimming coach. We're getting another tennis coach. We're getting a volleyball coach. We're getting all of these coaches because we're going to have all of these athletes that are in these specific sports. Uh, it makes my life really easy because I don't have to, I, all, I need, all I need to do is just get this in front of somebody. 
a parent, a family member, a friend, a coach, uh, an athletic department, a, uh, a podcast, and someone might hear it and might go, you know what? My nephew could use this. You know what? My son could use this. My daughter can use this. Um, my coach could use this. One guy asked me, I play tennis and I get really frustrated when I hit a bad shot. Can I do this? And I'm like, you're 45 and out of shape, but yeah, come on, let's do it because you're an athlete. And when we focus on the mental performance of these athletes, when you can make it as easy as possible for them to get what they need in two clicks, three clicks, you know, you have a recipe for something really good. But if you go to our mission and you look at the people we have on our team, there are PhDs. Max Rappaport and Aaron, Dr. Max Rappaport and Dr. Aaron Smith are on our team. Um, there's Dr. Rachel Hoft. There's Dr. Angela Griffin. There are uh, um, there are so many people on our team that are experts in this field, and there are former and current professional athletes willing to work with athletes, with the high school kids, the college kids, even the pros that come in to mentor them. Are we going to stop? Is Mind Ready going to stop every single problem from happening? No. But if somebody needs the resource and somebody has the ability to, to act on it, and if education and communication and mentorship and coaching can be a component that assists them on the field and off the field, now you are providing something really special. And that's the difference between just a, a shot in the dark and something that is sustainable. Wolf and the Mind Ready staff are dedicated to getting athletes in need solution-based learning methods. Mind Ready is not mental health uh, focused, mental performance focused. It's the outcomes, it's the outcome measures. We test where you are now when you come in, we test where you are in the middle, we test where you are when you leave. Um, we do not diagnose, we, do, we are not therapy. Um, we, are, we are the things that need to be provided to athletes from an educational and resource standpoint. If you're in need of assistance like what MindReady provides, it's a great resource. But if you require clinical mental health help, today's sponsor is the way to go. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp, and I'm so thrilled to be working with them for another week. Is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? All of the stories I've told thus far have been the vulnerabilities of elite athletes and team personnel. But what happens before they're comfortable speaking about some of the most difficult times in their lives on such a public forum? Nearly all of them have utilized either a sports psychologist or a therapist. Now, I'm bringing that option to you, the listeners. If you've ever listened to a Closer Mentality episode and thought, I feel exactly the same way, I'm working with BetterHelp to bring online therapy to your phone and computer. BetterHelp offers video, phone, and live chat options, and you can speak to a licensed therapist in less than 48 hours. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. BetterHelp has more than 20,000 licensed therapists around the country, and you have access to them at any time. You can get thoughtful messages from your therapist, and if you aren't happy, it's free to change providers. If you're worried about the cost of traditional talk therapy, BetterHelp also plans for that. They offer financial aid if funding is the only thing standing between you and getting the help that you need. Join the over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. I have a special offer for all Closer Mentality listeners. You can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com forward slash closer mentality. That's betterhelp.com forward slash closer mentality. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. The link is also in the show notes.
The work that Mind Ready does provides Wolf with a way to continue surrounding himself with sport and athletes, while also being all right with the fact that his playing days are over. You know, you always you always think like, okay, what's my career gonna be, or what am I gonna look at 30 years from now on on my career? And I I can look back on my career going, I didn't get past short season. Um, I didn't travel to Tokyo with the Olympic team. Um, but if you told me in high school, I would have these experiences and be able to do these things. I would have said cool, but I wouldn't have believed you. Thanks so much for listening to episode 64 of Closer Mentality. As always, I'm your host, Julia Mellet. You can listen to more of Jeremy's story at the link in the bio. Our full interview is on Closer Mentality Uncensored's YouTube channel. You can also follow Jeremy, More Than Baseball, and Mind Ready at the links down below as well. Next episode, I'm bringing on Rachel Muller, a women's soccer player at Bowling Green State University. Her injury and return to play story is incredible. It's one you won't want to miss. But until then, see you next week.